Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I am so beyond excited for today's guest. Today, we are talking to Melissa of the podcast, Oh, That's Just My Autism. If you haven't gone to listen to her podcast, you absolutely need to. It is a treasure, Um, but you also get to hear her today. Today, we are going to talk about the comorbidity of ADHD and autism and what it's really like to have both. So without any further ado, let's jump on into it. Hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Also pretty well. Long day, but good way to end it sitting here chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. So today I thought uh, if you feel so inclined, uh, you might be able to tell our listeners a little bit about what it's like to live with both autism and ADHD. Ooh, well, I know um, that's a very broad question. Like, one, I can, a- I can, let me break it down. <laughs> I'm like, um, can you, one thing is, can you be specific? <laughs> of course I would be happy to, yeah. uh, let's start with, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis journey. How did you find out that you are autistic and that you have ADHD? Oh, good question. So, um, I just recently got my diagnosis, um, a couple of months ago in August, uh, of this year. So, um, how it all came about for me was, um, just kind of a bunch of stuff unraveling during quarantine. Um, a lot of stuff changed in my life. And of course that period of time was like hard for everyone. I know like so many people struggled. Um, but I started having a lot of problems, um, regulating my emotions more than usual. Cause this has always been a problem for me, um, my whole life, but like, it was, it was getting a lot harder. Um, I was having meltdowns. I was having shutdowns. I was, I just wasn't myself. Um, a lot of the time, so my partner <laughs> one day just like gently said to me like hey this is something's up like you're not yourself something's clearly like going on like we need to figure this out and I'm like yeah I know I, I'm not sure what's going on and it it sort of um prompted me to start I, I started looking for a therapist, but like, I was too impatient to wait for a therapist. So I started Googling because I was like, well, it's going to take me forever to get in with a therapist. So, so I took to the Google and I was like, okay, what do I even Google? I don't even remember what I was Googling. I was just sort of like Googling my symptoms, like, you know, all of the things that I was experiencing. And, uh, you know, again, none of these things were new, but they were all like ramped up and intensified. And I think just having so much time with myself at home too, was like, and time with my family at home, which I love my family, but, um, I never really realized how much I need my alone time. (laughs) So it was like, (laughs) 
it was, it was a lot during quarantine. So it just like Googled all the things and um, came up with a few different sites pointing towards like autism and women. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And, and initially I didn't really think anything of it, but I did click on it to, because I was interested because my daughter's autistic. So I was like, oh, well, I should read this, you know, cause this might give me some insight into, into her. And uh, I started reading through some of the things and I was like, oh, oh, oh wait, like this actually sounds a lot like me. And like that just tipped me over the edge. Like there, <laughs> there's the point of like interest. And then you like go over the point of like no return with the interest where it's like, oh, well now I have to spend every waking moment researching this. Um, <laughs> so that's what I did and that's what happened. And the more I read about it, the more I was like, oh my gosh, just like light bulb after light bulb moment. And um, yeah, so that's how I sort of realized, but then um, getting the diagnosis uh, was a whole other hurdle. Um, as you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes for uh, adults and women in particular to find someone who's knowledgeable and willing to even diagnose you and affordable and all of that. So luckily I did find someone, I had to wait six months, which was not as long as some people have to wait, but it still felt like an eternity. <laughs> and, but I did finally um, see someone and it took a few appointments and it was kind of a long arduous process, but um, she did give me the autism diagnosis and surprisingly um, also diagnosed me with ADHD, which I wasn't expecting because I didn't um, identify with that one as much. Although a lot of the symptoms of autism and ADHD do overlap. So I thought like, oh, well, yeah, I do have some of those ADHD things, but I figured like, since there's so much overlap, it was probably just because I was autistic, but um, no, she, so she did the, all of the screenings for ADHD too. And turns out um, I have that. And now that I know that, uh, like once she said that, and I sort of thought about it. I was like, yeah, that actually does make a lot of sense <laughs> in hindsight. So yeah. So sorry, that was a really long answer, but that was the whole, that was the whole, whole story there. Absolutely. No, I think that's so wonderful for uh, our listeners to hear because the diagnosis process is complicated and often long. And um, it's nice to hear what other people have gone through and what it was like for them. So thank you so much for sharing all of that, honestly. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about both of your diagnoses? I know you said the ADHD one was a surprise, but do you feel comfortable with them or are you still adjusting? How do you feel about them? Um, honestly, it, it's been a huge relief. Um, I, I am settling into all of it very nicely. I, I think, um, at first, when I first like discovered this before I had gotten an official diagnosis, um, I was sort of like, I just kept doubting myself and sort of like flip-flopping back and forth. And that's why I felt like for me personally, it was really important for me to get an official diagnosis because I know I would have just continued to like wonder and be like, am I reading into these things? Am I like, is this, am I just looking for the thing that fits? And I mean, so but I just, I had to pursue it. So 
Um, but just the longer I sit with it and the more things I learn about myself and the more things I examine in hindsight, I'm just like, oh gosh, this just explains my life, all of it. And, and like I said, the ADHD piece fits, um, so well, it's almost like, um, I can see now how the two things have really played into each other, um, either working together or working against each other um, throughout my life. And it's just been like a really kind of awesome learning process for me. Like it's opened so many like doors inside myself where I'm like, oh, I didn't see this part of myself before. Like I didn't look at it this way before. It's it's sort of a process where you start uncovering all of these things that you previously thought were like just parts of you that were kind of, I, I don't like to use the word broken, but that's the word I used to think like for myself, like, like, oh, these, I'm just like broken. Like all of these parts of me just don't fit in the world in so many ways. And just like finally figuring out what's going on and, and how it all fits together has been, I don't know, it's been a really cool process for me. There's been more ups than downs, I think. That's really, really wonderful to hear. And hopefully, hopefully inspires people listening. If you feel like you are neurodivergent and you're doing the research and you're feeling doubtful and scared, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's okay to hope. It's okay to realize that like these things, I hate to say it gets better. That's so cliche, but like (laughs) it's, it's true with, with treatment, with care, with diagnosis, like things really turn around. And like you were saying, it gives us a whole new understanding of those, you know, quote unquote, broken parts of us Mm -hmm. um, that can feel so defective before we realize that we're not defective. We're just different. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it is sort of a, it's a difficult road to, to figure this all out too. I know a lot of people struggle with being unsure. Um, I think personally for me, it just came from a lot of internalized ableism um, mm-hmm. and just sort of always, even though I, I do have a, a child who's autistic, um, I always sort of, I, I just always kind of viewed autism in one um, specific way, like how we're shown autism is. Um, and I never thought it would apply to me just because you look at what the media shows us as autism and you're like, well, you know, like, I don't like trains. I don't, you know, I'm not, (laughs) you know, like all of the super stereotypical things that were always shown where it's like, but that's not all there is to it. And I feel like it's really important. I'm glad you have you know, your podcast, I do a podcast as well. And there's so many other autistic creators out there now, like showing this other side where it's like, you know, here's what this can also look like. It is a spectrum, you know, and there are, there is masking, there is, you know, there's all of these things to consider when you're, you know, when you're trying to figure this, this stuff out and there's so much that plays into it. Right. Absolutely. So speaking of, you know, not necessarily fitting that 
hyper stereotype um, <laughs> of what autism is. What are you know some of the traits or symptoms of autism and ADHD that you notice the most in your daily life? Um, good question. Um, you know, once I started really examining myself, I I really do uh, fall into some of those stereotypical things that I didn't <laughs> realize that I did, um, and a lot of this stuff I attributed to other things. Like, I would always be like, "Oh my gosh." Um, you know, I'm a control freak. I would just be like, I'm a control freak because I need like the same routines. I need to plan everything. I need to like, I don't like when things change. I, you know, like all of these things that go with autism where I'm like, what, like, where did I get this? Why am I like this? Why am I so, why do I have this like inherent need for control and structure and routine and planning and all of that? Um, so that's a big one for me that, that plays into my my daily life. Um, I would also say like, as far as the ADHD side of things, um, I very rarely can like sit still and, and relax. I am very much a busybody. I'm very much a movement oriented person. I feel like, um, I'm very sensory seeking that way too. I just like, I like to move my body. I like sitting still for a long period of time is uncomfortable for me. Um, but again, like this sort of thing, that sort of thing never played out for me, like in school, like you typically hear about, um, ADHD kids or younger people, um, having problems in school because you can't sit still and you can't pay attention. I never had that in school. So therefore I was like, oh, well, I couldn't have ADHD. I never, I didn't have a problem paying attention in school, um, I, you know, I could sit in the classroom, I could learn all the things I can focus my attention, all that. Um, but my ADHD sort of comes out in more uh, physical manifestations, I think, um, with like the, the antsiness and the, you know, always wanting to be on the go and moving. Um, and uh, gosh, I don't know what else. I mean, <laughs> there, are, uh, I think socially too, I, I really do struggle um, on the social side of things, which is a which is a huge hallmark of of being autistic. Of course, um, my struggles don't um, I don't think are very apparent from like an outsider's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I am really good at talking to people. I can interact and engage with a new person. I can, I hate small talk, but I can do it. Like, I don't know if I'm always very good at it, but I can do it. Um, <laughs> you know, but all of those things where it's like, I've learned, you know, you learn over the years, how to, how to implement these things into your life where you're like, Oh, here's what I do. And here's how I do it. So like on that side of the social thing, I'm fine. It's just like, If you look at um, friendships or being social as like dating, like I don't often make it past the first date with people. Like I can meet someone and interact with them fine and have a great time talking to them. And then I have no desire to see that person again. Once I'm away from them, like they're gone. This sounds awful, but like they're gone from my memory. Like I don't think about being social. I don't. 
I don't seek it out very often. Like I don't, it's not super important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do enjoy doing most things alone on my own. Um, and I really don't know how to build relationships or sustain them, um, friendships. Um, so like making and keeping friends, like actual friends is nearly impossible to me. I have like two friends because <laughs> it's like, and they're both neurodiverse. So it's like, um, I just have to like click with a person and, uh, to really want to pursue that relationship further. Um, so, and there's very few people that I, that I like can actually do that with. So that's been sort of a weird struggle that, um, I'm just finally coming to terms with now because now I know I'm autistic. And before I just felt like, why can't I get this right? Like, why doesn't anyone like me or why can't I, why don't I feel connected to anyone? It seems so easy for other people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a big one. And that's one that I'm really glad has been cleared up with this whole, um, this whole autism diagnosis. Cause I'm like, I can be a lot easier on myself now about that. Um, and also, as you can see, I can be very, very talkative and that is an ADHD trait. And you ask me one question and I'll go on for 15 minutes. Um, so I gave you three things I gave and I talked for like 10 minutes. So, <laughs> oh, I think that's all of those were such great examples, especially the friendship thing. I think a lot of people feel like that's one of the aspects of their brokenness, right. Is this idea that like, I can't make and keep friends. Like what's wrong with me that I don't care about people the way I'm supposed to. And all yeah. of this stuff when it's just the way that your brain works and like, it's okay for your brain to work differently. And like you said, like a lot of neurodivergent folks, um, actually get along great. <laughs> like this is what they call the double empathy problem where, um, you know, neurodivergent folks tend to understand one another and neurotypical folks tend to understand one another. But when you mix the two groups, it's like, ah, chaos. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I have heard about that. It's, it's so interesting to me because I find that the people who I have clicked with in my life have also been either like ADHD or autistic or neurodiverse in some way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, even the people who aren't diagnosed I can like look at them and see like "Mm," if they're I mean they definitely have a lot of traits (laughs) and uh yeah so that's definitely a thing and I think again like we're shown in like tv movies whatever when when we see an autistic person having a social difficulty that's not what my social difficulty looks like that's not what my struggle looks like like I said from the outside no one would probably guess that I have that much of a struggle um but again like as someone who was raised female um you know you're you're raised to be social like if you're not being social it's like raising all of these red flags for people and they're like oh why don't you you know you need a friend. Do you need these friends? You need a group of friends. Do you have any friends? Like play with your friends. And it's like, I just want to sit over here and read my book. <laughs> Can oh I do gosh, that? That is relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's been a, 
it's been a journey. It's, and it's been, like I said, more, more ups than downs. I'm really happy to be figuring these things out, even though I'm four, I just turned 42. So I'm like really, really late to the party, but I'm like better late than never, I guess. Absolutely better late than never. Like, can you imagine living out the rest of your life, not knowing this stuff about yourself? Like how crazy would that be? Yeah, it would, it would be, yeah, I'm so grateful. And I've definitely had people, um, a couple of people tell me like, Hey, like, do you really feel like you needed that label? Like, is it like, is it that important? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) for me, (laughs) for me, it's definitely important. I actually have, um, a friend, a guy who I know who, um, who has the ADHD and he didn't find out or no, he found out when he was young, like, cause he was a young boy and like he has ADHD. So like they're usually picked out. Um, but he was telling me that he wished growing up that he hadn't had that label because mm-hmm. he felt like, um, in certain ways it pigeonholed him. It made people have certain ideas about him and his capabilities. It made him have ideas towards himself about his own capabilities. Like it just felt like an, he's like, I kind of wish I hadn't known. And, and I'm like, see, I'm the opposite as a person who didn't have the label. I feel like growing up, if I would have known that I had these things and if my parents would have known, and if my teachers would have known, like, I feel like a lot could have been different in my, in my life had I known. And we sort of like talked about the differences and like, maybe it's not our fault, or maybe it's not the label's fault, but maybe it's like society's fault and how we look at these things. Like it's not the label that's wrong. It's the way we look at the label. Absolutely. 100% because having that label, how do I describe this? Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can put this into words. The label itself, like you said, is not the problem. It's the way society views the label. Like your friend was saying that he felt limited, but if, if back then we had had a more neurodiverse, uh, like view on the world, then we, instead of seeing ADHD as a limitation, it would have been like, no, I mean, obviously ADHD and autism can be limitations. I'm not in the superpower group. Um, but I, it's not only a limitation, right? Like it's just a social and neurological difference. And like, it doesn't have to limit us if we, if society can view us as being an essential part of the spectrum of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's similar to saying like, it's not the, like our neurotype isn't the problem. It's the fact that the world is not made for our neurotype is that's the problem. So it's like, you know, same thing. It's like this label isn't the thing. That's the problem. It's the way people view it is what the problem is. And it's just like, it's kind of a thing. I feel like, um, I feel like there's a lot of progress being made at least, um, slow, but I, I definitely think there are a lot more people talking about this now and a lot more, like I said, a lot more awesome creators and people just putting out awesome info. You do that. I I love all of your stuff that you put out. It's so informative um, about neurodivergence in general. And 
I don't know. I just, I think there's so many people, so many more people out there who are neurodivergent, who have no idea, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I just, I hope that I think it's like akin to how mental health was treated like a few decades ago, like no one talked about it. So therefore no one really like knew about it. It was, it was like this weird, like taboo thing. Whereas now people talk about mental health all the time and people talk about the fact that they have depression and that they have anxiety and that they have, you know, PTSD, like all of these things that I mean, used to, I'm sorry, my dog's barking. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, all of these things that used to be so like, they lived in the shadows sort of, and now are talked about regularly. So I'm like, now hopefully neurodivergence is the next thing that's like gonna come out of the shadows and we can all start just talking about it more openly and people who are um, neurodivergent can sort of like, spot those things in themselves and start talking more openly about it or pursuing a diagnosis or, you know, whatever they need to do to settle into that. But I just feel like there, there are so many of us out there that have no idea. I mean, I was one of them. So I guess that's why, that's why I think that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So was I, I knew I dealt with mental health struggles for a long time and it wasn't until the last like year or so where I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it's not just like anxiety and depression, although that's a huge part of what's going on with me. Like the way my brain works is fundamentally different. And even when I am healthy, it is different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think for those of us that do have autism and ADHD existing together, um, well, I can't say for those of us, I can only speak to my own experience, but I feel like if I'm experiencing it this way, there must be others out there who have this dual diagnosis who also experience it this way. But like, for me, I think the reason I was able to go undiagnosed for so long and get by pretty okay is because a lot of times I feel like my autism and my ADHD um, play into each other in a way where it can make um, my traits a little bit easier to deal with. Like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Because there are times where like, I can look and be like, this is my ADHD right now coming out. And I can look at certain times and be like, this is my autism right now happening. And sometimes it's like the two things that are happening are so like opposite to each other that it almost like, they almost like cancel each other out. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very weird, I don't know. I don't quite know how to explain it. Um, but I think, I think maybe one way to, to explain it is like, um, like on the social side of things, I think me, um, being very talkative and like outwardly expressive, like, I feel like that's my ADHD. Like I talk with my hands a lot. I like move around a lot. I, I, I'm hyperverbal a lot of the time. Um, 
that sort of like counteracts my, um, my autistic urge to be like wall up, like introvert, go stand over here. Like, I don't want to be by people. Like, so I have these two sides of myself. There are days where like one takes over the other where I'm like, oh, I feel like being so social today. Like, I feel like talking to people. I feel like going out. I feel like, you know, da, 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 da. And then there are other days where I'm like, Ooh, I'm feeling the autism today because I don't want to see anybody talk to anybody. Like I want to read my book. I want to learn about this thing. I want to, you know, like just have my alone time. Um, the thought of talking to anyone is just like, Ugh. and then there's days where those two things just sort of even out. And like, I feel almost like regular. I never want to use the word normal because I don't think being I embrace the fact that I'm not normal, but I don't ever want anyone to feel like they're not like normal because they have autism or ADHD. Like, I don't know the term normal is so like, um, like who, who even it's like abstract, like you don't know what normal is, what, what it's not, but um, it's also so very unhelpful. Like that is the thing I have completely (laughs) ditched the use of the word normal or not normal because, and this came about when I was doing my trauma work, because I was talking to a therapist and I was like, yeah, but that's normal. Like all of my friends grew up that way. Like it's normal. And she was like, it might be normal. That doesn't make it healthy. And so that was the moment when I ditched normal. I was like, forget it. Like I am focusing on helpful. I am focusing on healthy. And, you know, sometimes my neurodivergence is not overly helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Like when you're looking at the word normal, it's like normal compared to what, like, what is, what is the reference point? What's, you know, if you could show me what normal looked like, if we had something to compare to then we could say like but it all just depends on your life experience right it's like and just like you said like what's normal for you may not be normal for someone else and what's normal for them may not be normal for you so but I guess what I was trying to say is like it feels like I'm evened out sometimes like the two things play into each other in in a way where I'm like I don't want to say I feel neurotypical because I don't even know what that feels like. And I don't think I ever do because my brain just isn't, but I feel like I can function in a easier way some days because I feel like evened out. I don't know if that makes any sense or if anyone listening who has both of these diagnoses relates to that at all. But like, now that I know I do have both of these things existing in my brain, Um, I can very much, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like two little people in there that are like totally different in a lot of ways. And sometimes I'm more this person and sometimes I'm more that person. And sometimes they fight and sometimes they get along. And I'm a very, um, (laughs) I like to use a lot of metaphors and like visual things, if you haven't noticed, but like that's how I picture it sort of is like, here's my little ADHD person living in my brain. And here's my little autism person living in my brain. And some days they fight with each other and it makes a hard day. Some days they get along with each other and it makes an easier day. Some days one of them is like napping and the other one is active and like vice versa. It's like, that's sort of how I, I visualize it. Cause I'm a very like visual person. So like, it's so helpful because 
if I'm having a day where I'm like having a lot of executive dysfunction and I'm like, okay, like what's happening here that can happen on both sides of the, of the, you know, both people, both the ADHD and the autism people. Um, but sometimes it's like, I can see that it's more related to an ADHD struggle that day. Like I just can't focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. I can't organize my thoughts. I can't, you know, and you know, it's different when it's on the autism side of things. And it's like, it's kind of cool to be able to pinpoint and navigate that way. And I'm a really like hyper analytic person. So I don't know if I'm alone in doing that, but like, I really enjoy being able to just like psychoanalyze myself and be like, what's happening? Who is, what's going on in there? Like, which, which one of me is this today? And it helps me get through. Yeah, no, I absolutely relate to that. I psychoanalyze myself all day, every day is <laughs> not, if we're sticking with the helpful versus unhelpful paradigm, it is not always the most helpful of qualities, but, um, sometimes it can be, sometimes it's really nice to understand what's going on up there. And other yeah. times it's like, all right, we're ruminating at this point. We need to stop. <laughs> Yes. Good point. You do need to be careful about the ruminating. Um, I do have a brain that, that tends towards, um, obsessing and ruminating about things. Um, so yeah, as long as you can keep that in check and, and you're being helpful to yourself, which most of the time for me it is, but if it's a bad day, um, you know, where things aren't going to plan, um, yeah, that sort of analytical thinking uh, can, can get you in trouble too. (laughs) Yeah. So what does, I know you talked a little bit about how sometimes the autism and the ADHD balance each other out in social situations so that you're able to sort of like mask basically. So it looks like you don't have either when really you have both. Um, (laughs) what does it look like on more of like a bad day where they're fighting? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I always try and think of like examples, but I could think of an example if I wasn't trying. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, as soon as you try and think of an example of something, like I think about this stuff all day long and I'm like, um, so I guess, okay, let's see. What would be a time when, okay, so I guess there are some times when, um, when I feel like, okay, so I feel like I want to be like spontaneous and do something new or fun or exciting. So that's very obviously like the ADHD side of my brain that's always like seeking out like novelty and adventure and new experiences and like all of this stuff and has all this energy and then there's the autism side of me that's like no like we need to follow the structure the routine the plan um I feel like that is the most common fight that I have because I will get really really frustrated with myself Um, if there's a day where like, I'm feeling like I want to change things up and I just want to like get out of the house and I want to go do something, but my autism, like literally will not let me change my routine. It like the thought of 
not following the thing that was set up for that day in my mind like gives me a lot of anxiety but then I spend the whole day sort of like wishing I could just like break free from that and go do something spontaneous so that happens to me actually quite often or like um you know every so often I'll have like a friend who will invite me somewhere spontaneously like oh hey do you want to go have lunch today and I'm like I do I do want to go have lunch today, but also I didn't plan on going and meeting someone for lunch today. And even though like I could just get in my car and go and meet that person for lunch, I can't like, I literally can't like, so it's, it's times like that, that are the hardest, I think for me, where my, I feel sort of like trapped by these arbitrary, like plans and routines and structure that I've set up for myself. No one else is making me do that. <laughs> like I could totally throw the whole thing out the window and nobody's going to care. Um, but I can't like, so yeah, that's, that's a big one for me. That causes me a lot of hard times. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like what it feels like to be pulled in two different directions and feel trapped in the middle. So you're not feeling satisfied no matter what you do. Exactly. Oh yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like you get to your end of your day and you're like, yeah, like you're not satisfied with how that day went. Cause it's like, well, even though I stayed home and like followed whatever I was going to do today or not even stayed home, it's just like, just cause I followed the plan for the day and I stuck to my routines and everything like that doesn't mean it was a good day because I probably thought all day about how I wanted to go do that other thing, but I couldn't. And, um, you know, but that's another thing with me. It's like, and that's another social difficulty too, is like, um, it's, it's very hard for me to do things last minute. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are like, Oh, Hey, come over. Like, we'll do this or we'll just hang out or like, well, you know, it's, I need more information than that. And a lot of people have um, a hard time uh, understanding that when I'm like, okay, like, are we going to do something? Are we just going to be at your house? Like, what's the situation? Like, should I eat before I come over? Like, what, how long am I going to stay? Like, I have all of these follow-up questions that I sometimes just don't even bother to ask. I just decline the invitation because I'm like, too stressed about all of the unknowns. Um, that's why it's nice to have friends who are also neurodivergent that you can just be yourself with and be like, okay, I know you want me to come over, but I need all the, like, let's set up the details. Like, mm -hmm. like, how's it going to be? How exactly is it going to be? Um, because it's, it's hard. And I, I have noticed, um, you know, it's, it's dawned on me one realization that I've had since I've, since I've gotten this diagnosis is, um, that a lot of my social activities have been structured, have been set around like structured things all the time. Like if I'm going to get together with a friend, it's for like a structured activity. Like we're going to go see a movie or we're going to go, you know, have lunch or we're going to go, you know, do a specific activity that goes from this time to this time. It's not often like, Hey, come over. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, like, 
what are, I don't even know examples. <laughs> what do people <Right>. do? <laughs> <laughs> Go shopping. Do people do that? I don't know. I, I prefer to shop alone. Um, but I think that's something people do. It happens on sex in the city. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing is like trying to look at media to see like how how are friendships like is this real do people actually just like get together and go shop or like just what like a lot of the things that I see portrayed that that look like how friendships are supposed to look like seem totally foreign to me even on like on social media too on tv shows on movies it's all, it looks like fantasy. It's like fiction. I'm like, this isn't real. People don't do, huh? What is happening? I don't understand. Um, so that's also a big, a big clue. <laughs> if anyone right. else is questioning. And that might be part of why um, you didn't see the autism or the ADHD like in yourself, because if you're always looking to media um, to judge like, is this how this is supposed to be? Is this like what people do? Then all you have are these like super stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, (laughs) yeah, it's always, it's always just seemed foreign to me where I'm like, huh, that's, that's odd. Don't, don't know that I've ever had that experience, but it's fun to watch on TV. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have just one final question for you here. Um, I was just wondering if there is one thing that you wished people knew about autism or ADHD or neurodivergency in general, you know, like what do you, what do you wish you could tell people? Um, well, I think specifically when it comes to autism, I wish that more people knew that it is not some scary or sad thing. I know there are so many people out there who are like, you know, there there are a lot of conversations always about like, oh, like, oh, your, your child was diagnosed autistic, like, oh, like, it's, like, it's looked at as this heartbreaking, tragic thing, which, you know, I'm a parent of an autistic child, and I know it does come with challenges, like, I'm not saying that, but, like, parenting is a challenge, you know, I, I just feel like, just because the challenges are different with a neurotypical child and an autistic child, it, I don't think it's any less or any more difficult. It's just a different kind of difficult. And I, I wish people would stop looking at autism as this, um, this scary thing when really, you know, it's nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we could, if all of us collectively as a society could learn that, um, I think it would be a lot easier for all of us to exist together. Um, And, you know, that's, that's one reason that I was really afraid to 
I knew that if, that if I got the diagnosis, I wanted to be outspoken about it and I wanted to be open about it and public about it. Um, it, it felt important to me because I'm like, I am not the stereotypical image. Um, I, it probably is surprising to a lot of people when they meet me and if they find out I'm autistic, but I, I'm glad, like, I want to show people that you can be, um, successful and you can have a relationship and you can have children and you can have a life, a fulfilling life. Um, if you're, if you're autistic, like, I think more people need to see that image rather than what we've just been shown, um, of, yeah, there is a struggle, but like, that's all we've been shown. It's either like they show you the struggle or they paint this picture of this autistic person who has like the quote unquote superpower and is a genius and, but is still like failing in so many other ways. Right. So it's like, like, let's just show normal, regular autistic people and, and make that the, the image that people link to autism, please. So that was a long answer, but that's what I would want people to know. Like, it's not scary. It's not a death sentence. It's not something to be sad about. It's literally just a different way of thinking. I absolutely love that. And I love what you're saying about representation in media. Like, let's just see some normal people, just people who have both struggles and strengths. Like that's how people work, you know? Mm. And instead of seeing like, it's the ultimate struggle and, and not to like, dis, like you've been saying, it's not to discount people's struggles. Like many people with autism struggle profoundly. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or it doesn't matter. It's just that you're a human being. There's so much more to you than just the struggle. And I think, I think sometimes it's well-meaning, you know, people are trying to get um, resources and supports and stuff. And in order to get those things, you have to emphasize the struggle, but I think a lot of it is not well-meaning. I think a lot of it comes from dehumanizing autistic folks. And um, that's very uncool. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I, yeah. Um, there's there's a lot to be said about that. So I'm not going to start because I won't finish. But <laughs> <laughs> it's something, it's, it's very strange because a year ago, I did not know this about myself. Like, I feel like I started really looking into it like December, like around the holidays last year. Um, And so it's so strange how much things can change in a year in your life. I mean, I think we've all learned that these past couple of years, but like personally, I'm just like, wow, a year ago, autism was not even on my radar. And now I'm just like living this totally new existence I feel like because I've been able to just embody this and embrace it and yeah there are struggles and there are hard days and I wish there wasn't such a stigma and but like ultimately I'm so glad that I found this out about myself and I would not change it like if someone was like hey I can wave a magic wand and make your ADHD and autism go away um no, thank you. I, I really, and maybe that's just because I don't like change, but, (laughs) (laughs) but also like, this is how I've always been. So like, what would I be if I wasn't this? I don't even know how to wrap my mind around that. And, and I really like the way that my, my brain 
thinks about things and the way it processes most things. Sometimes I have a struggle um, with that. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, ah, this is, this is fine. Like, especially now that I know and I can be like, eh, that's just my autism. It's fine. Or that's just my ADHD. It's fine. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that level of self-acceptance and like embracing oneself is really, really powerful. And there's so many of us who are working on getting there. So thank you for being an example of that, because I think we need, like you said, we need better representation of just people who, you know, don't hate themselves for being neurodivergent. I think that's another trope we see a lot um, that needs, needs doing away with. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not always easy. There are days where I, especially when I'm having a lot of problems with regulating my emotions and meltdowns are horrible. Like, and I do have those and I've always had those. I just didn't know what they were. Um, those times are hard. And those are the times when I'm like, Oh, I, I wish this wasn't, I, I, I I don't say I wish I was an autistic, but like, I wish this wasn't part of it. I could remove this part of it from the whole experience and that would be great. So there are hard days like that where it's like, it is, it's not always easy to be like, this is me and it's all great. But, (laughs) you know, I think whether, again, like whether you're neurotypical or, or neurodivergent, everyone has those days. Yeah, you're right. I think everybody has those days where it's like, if only this could not be part of my lived experience. Right. If only being a human didn't include this one particular (laughs) thing, that would be great. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you so much for coming and chatting with me about your brain and how it works. I think so many people are going to relate to you and be so grateful for everything you've shared today. So thank you so much. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Of course. All right, everybody, we will see you next Saturday. And thank you for listening. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts, and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.